Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Joining me for round two on the podcast, I have James Winter. And James was one of the uh, original, I think, first 10 that we had on the podcast when we changed over to B2B Marketing. So episode 110, if you want to listen to uh, that episode. And since then, he has changed roles and he's now in the company Speckit as the VP of Marketing. So James, welcome back to the reunion tour, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Good to be back. Absolutely. We had a good conversation the first time. So again, if you want to go listen to that, uh, those who are listening now, episode 110. Um, but to kick us off, James, if you had to choose between Coke or Pepsi, what would you choose? Uh, honestly, it's a pretty easy call. Uh, I would say Coke, but I'd also say take it a step further, vanilla Coke. Ooh, that sounds good. I, I it- had one last night because I was at a uh, restaurant that had one of the like crazy machines that has all the flavors where you can like customize it and had a vanilla coke for the first time in a while and it was excellent that sounds good now are you talking out of a marketing mind or just because it just tastes amazing oh i was just talking about the flavor okay that sounds good that's that's, (laughs) was it a marketing question you know a lot of marketers on the show are just like you know what i don't drink soda but like Coke all the way because the brand. So I'm always <laughs> curious, like what people actually think. So from a taste perspective, I'm in the same boat. So that's, that's funny. All right, man. So let's go ahead and jump into this. Um, basically what we're going to talk about today is finding the right agency uh, for the job when it comes to paid social. So many uh, B2B SaaS startups and B2B SaaS brands, they're in the boat of needing to outsource um, their paid media, right? But it can be a little bit shaky. Some agencies don't have a really good reputation. Maybe marketers don't know where to start when it comes to looking for those agencies. So what are some key factors that you uh, you look for when it comes to hiring an agency? Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't know that I would necessarily even just constrain this to paid social agencies in particular. I think it's my approach to agencies in general. Mm-hmm. I've never worked at an agency, but what I've seen from a lot of agencies is like they start with a talented individual who has subject matter expertise and probably one or two channels. And then they hire some people. It grows kind of organically. Like it's a lot of word of mouth. They they're really strong in Google ads. And then they're, you know, clients are asking like, Hey, we also want to try this channel. So like, oh yeah, let's do that. We can expand our book of business. We can add more revenue, um, charge a higher management fee, all that good stuff, get more spend. And from my experience, it's often not the case that any agency can be as good at every channel as they are at maybe like their one core one that they started out with. And like agencies that, as I'm sure you know, like, the thing that's tough about agencies is scaling because at the end of the day, it's a people business and there's only so much you can do without adding headcount and adding talented headcount at the same caliber as the owner of the agency is extremely challenging. So mm-hmm. with agencies, it's, I just generally don't like to hire one agency to do everything. Um, because I just have never found one that can be equally as good at everything. So 
Um, I think it's really important to find agencies that are good at one particular area. And if, if they're like really massive, you know what, maybe they can kind of do it well, but at the end of the day, focus and expertise in one specific area, I think tends to beat out most of the like more generic agencies. And it's really easy to find talent for some areas too. Like, I think that's the other piece that's interesting. Google ads, for example, it's pretty easy to find a ton of really well-established, talented people who can do Google ads well. Mm-hmm. Some channels are just inherently trickier and there's a lot more complexity to them. And that could go for a website agency, that could go for paid social. Like I think Google ads is one of the more accessible. And I, I don't mean this as any offense. And there's certainly like, you know, as you scale search ads, it can be just as complex in some areas, but because it's primarily text-based, like there is more constraints as opposed to some sort of rich media business like websites or paid social, where you also have to think about creative and there's more opportunities for like targeting or personalization, or like there's just more variables that you have to worry about. Mm -hmm. So really one of the biggest factors that you look into initially is like, are these people generalists or are they specialists, right? Yeah, I actually, I talked to an agency yesterday um, and one of the approaches that I really liked is they only, they will have one person per channel on your account Mm. instead of like one person on your account that's managing multiple channels. Mm -hmm. So outside of looking for an agency that maybe does specifically paid media, an agency that does branding, an agency that does messaging, websites, et cetera. Um, outside of looking for the specialist, what else comes to mind when you're out searching for an agency that you can um, really just share with our listeners? Like, hey, this is something I've learned in the past. Uh, this is what I look for because of this reason. Is there anything else that comes to mind? Yeah, I think with, with paid social in particular, um, it's really important to find someone that has placed a lot of emphasis on creative and a good testing methodology. The challenge that I have with most agencies is that they are not, and you can tell within a couple of minutes, usually of talking to an agency, whether they're going to be good or not, um, or whether they have the right approach or not, who knows, maybe they won't be good, but like Facebook in particular, the way that the algorithm works, they heavily, they heavily punish or penalize, uh, ad accounts and specific ads if the creative is not resonating with the audience. So they, I forget what it's called now. They used to have an actual thing called a quality score um, or something along those lines. I think it's different terminology than Google's, but the cost to place that ad, if it's like an eight versus a three is mm-hmm. like half. Really? So if you're placing an ad and it, it doesn't fit Facebook's criteria, they're going to charge you a lot more because at the end of the day, they're trying to protect the experience Mm -hmm. of the people on the platform. So every time you hit report or like, why am I seeing this or whatever on Facebook, it does heavily make an impact on the cost for that ad to be uh, shown to a given Mm -hmm. audience. So um, the thing that's super important is like testing a high volume of creative in a structured manner to be able to, gather insights around what's actually resonating or not. The thing that's interesting about that is I think this is 
in B2B one of the only times that you can actually approach statistical significance, unless you're in like a super transactional high volume business. Mm-hmm. I think experimentation, I'm glad that the like discussion about A-B testing has kind of died off in the B2B world a little bit. Um, I think most of the smart people have realized that it's kind of a pipe dream, but like mm-hmm. most B2B websites are getting maybe, you know, on the high end, like a hundred thousand visits a month. Um, unless you're in like a big public company, but, or like something super freemium PLG, like ClickUp or project mm-hmm. management, but like most of the startups I've seen, you can maybe run one AB test every couple of months and you're probably still not actually going to get statistical significance. It's still directional because it's such and, a small sample size what you're saying, right? Yeah. And yeah. if you think about it, like most, most people have maybe like 50,000 buyers at the high end that will ever purchase their product on an individual level. And you can't really like test your way to greatness on most channels. Facebook is one of the only ones where you can actually run experiments at scale. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a hugely underutilized and um, still kind of a goldmine, like even with all the iOS changes and privacy tracking issues that have plagued Facebook and like made it harder for sure. It's still one of the only places that you will be able to actually test messaging. And for someone who's a former product marketer, like the ability to actually, I have a spreadsheet of like experiments for messaging run testing, different benefit lines, different feature lines, different pain points, different Mm -hmm. use cases, different case studies, different competitive lines. I'm running all these experiments against each other. See like what gets people's attention. And then I can pass that information back to uh, our SDR team. They're giving me information from their subject lines, like making that all interconnected. But all of that's only possible if you have an agency that understands and can scale creative in a way to allow you to produce that volume and velocity of experimentation. So you said that pretty early on in a conversation, you can tell if, for example, more often than not, a you know a paid media company um, you can tell if they're going to be a fit or really have the same methodology as you. What are some questions that you kind of tease out those answers without them maybe even knowing it or really to get to the bottom of that? Honestly, the two that come to mind, um, one is called go primer and I didn't actually end up working with them because they're, they're B2C oriented and I still maybe like to, but the, the CEO over there is super smart. Um, Camo, he in his first couple slides in like our discovery call, he's like, "Here's our approach: mm-hmm. test a whole bunch of creative." And I was like, "Sold! Like, cool. Yeah. That's that's what I was looking for." Um, this other one that I talked to yesterday, a little, little early to bring them up, but they on their website they had a they had some content that showed like, "Here's our approach," and it's like, "Here's what we've seen work for creative," and. You hear me talk about creative a lot. There was a a company called Consumer Acquisition, which just got acquired by another agency. There was a guy named Brian Bowman who's been publishing research on Facebook ads for the last, whatever, five to 10 years. Um, He wrote a white paper. They've managed over billions in spend on Facebook. Um, A lot of it in like highly transactional, like game and and app signups, things like that, where they can get massive scale. Mm -hmm. And he runs these crazy experiments and tests and like he's seen, he's been able to 
get things out of Facebook's algorithm that no one else has been able to, that probably only the engineers who built the algorithm can talk to. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that isolating all the other variables, the piece of creative in the ad is responsible for 85% of that ad's performance. So your body copy, the CTA, the headline, like almost none of that really matters at the end of the day. And uh, I've seen that myself, like at Brandfolder, for example, we tested a whole bunch of ads and something with a red background versus blue background that could make the difference between whether an ad was profitable or not. You know, you hear people go into like the granular colors and like the, the feelings that creative can evoke and even like your CTAs. And it's like, man, do we ever have to get that granular? But you're saying like, no, when it comes to paid media like that at scale, like those can make a huge difference. Right. Yeah. I mean, we tried with, one of the best ads we ever ran on Facebook was managing digital assets sucks, but it doesn't have to. And it was just white, bold text on a red background. And if we, I think when we tried that with blue, it was not profitable. And when we tried it with red, it was bold enough that it like stopped someone scrolling. Mm -hmm. And again, like it comes down to messaging being on point, like the creative is part of it, but creative is, messaging is a huge component of the creative and what you'll see with high performing B2B SaaS ads, at least is that it's very important to have like creative headline, meaning like there's image or there's text on the image itself mm-hmm. to explain what is happening. Super interesting. Attention. That's awesome, man. Um, so obviously we talked about like what to look for when it comes to working with agencies, hiring them. Um, have you seen mistakes that maybe either you have made or maybe some buddies and you're just like, oh, that sucks, man, of when they hired an agency, maybe some things they didn't look for or they assumed. Um, I would love your your insights on that as well. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest mistake I've made is sticking with an agency after I knew they weren't the right fit just because mm-hmm. we still had some remaining time with them on the contract. And it's kind of like penny wise, pound foolish in the sense that, yeah, I'm saving a few thousand dollars uh, by not double paying these agencies. But like in a business like us, the improved performance that we would have gotten from just cutting earlier would have made up um, on the revenue side much sooner. So I think like, if you're, if you know that something's not working, continuing, it may or may not, depending on the unit economics of your business. And if you have the cash flow to support it, like it may or may not actually be the right choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've, I've spoken to companies where it's like, look, we just spent $150,000 on a website <laughs> and it's horrible. And it's like, we're still in a contract for maintenance, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's better to buy out and just as much as it hurts to eat it. And obviously this is depending yeah. on budget. Sometimes you literally have to do it because you're losing sales. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. Like as a marketer and you've got, you've got responsibilities to the CFO and the CEO, like making a mistake like that. Um, I made one recently. I brought on the wrong creative partner mm-hmm. and spent a bunch of money, got pretty much nothing out of it. And it sucks. Cause it's like, I placed a big bet 
on this working out. It didn't work out. And that not only set us back time and money, but also like the opportunity cost of not having done it with someone else. Like luckily there was an out, so it wasn't a big long-term deal, but it's like the worst thing when you as a marketer, like make a big bet and it doesn't work out and you have to go, especially for something like the website. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to what size of a marketing team you should have when you're outsourcing, do you have any insights as to, look, this is really good for smaller teams or have you seen it work with companies that have large marketing teams and they still want to outsource? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think a lot of it just depends on how important a given channel is to your business. Um, I have a like have a like for example, hiring a dedicated SEO person probably not something I'm going to do anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, organic search, like a, we have to create a new category anyways. So like, there's not a ton of existing people that are searching for this. If I was in let's go back to project management. If I was in project management and I'm competing against Asana, ClickUp, Monday, Smartsheet, like whatever, that's so competitive and so Mm -hmm. much of the business comes from organic that hiring a dedicated SEO person probably makes sense. If it's low search volumes and it's not really the type of like enterprise software where people are making decisions on Google searches, probably better to outsource. So I think we'll probably hit a point where it makes sense to hire a dedicated paid social person. Um, But it's not right now. Like our monthly spend is not at a point where it would make sense compared to like the level of talent we could potentially get with an Mm -hmm. agency. Mm -hmm. So you do feel that at the end of the day, once you do have the talent in-house, a lot of times you will outgrow agencies and that should be the goal, right? I think sometimes, but not always. Like, yeah, again, I, yeah. I, I really, I hesitate to ever make hyper declarative statements yeah. in marketing because I think it always depends, <laughs> which is like a whole other rant that I could go on with the state of people on LinkedIn yeah. and making wild blanket statements. But um, at the end of the day, like if you don't have the budget to build a center of excellence, which, because uh, with Facebook or if we just take that as an example, like it's not just having someone that has familiarity with the platform. You also need copywriting. You also need creative support. And so if you can't actually form that center of excellence uh, and not just like one person, but like the whole infrastructure around it, then it probably continues to make sense to outsource. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, So since the last time we had you on the podcast episode, we're mixing things up just a bit here. Um, so I have a question for you because we're always trying to help our listeners improve their websites. Um, and obviously you've been in the SaaS space for a while. So is there anything in regards to website strategy that you've either recently tried and it worked or maybe it didn't work? Does anything come to mind? The thing that I've realized, um, and this is something I would definitely recommend for like anyone who joins a new company and wants to make a big impact right off the bat is that just changing your H1 might be the single biggest impact you can have. And it doesn't need to be a big process. You can spin up a test real quick, like make sure it's not going to tank anything. And the way that I do that when I join a new company is I try to get on five win loss calls Mm -hmm. with customers. 
And I understand like what led you to the purchase? What were you trying to solve? What competitors were you evaluating? What was the main outcome you were trying to drive to? Like there's a whole series of questions. Um, do it for both deals that you've won and deals that you've lost and really dig in and understand like what was it that caused people to make this decision. And usually that helps solidify in my mind what the header copy should be on the website. And we changed ours. Um, it's funny, like when I was at Brand Folder, I did this exercise and my designer and I went through this process. We came up with a bunch of headline concepts and then ultimately what it went back to is like, we just said we're the most usable dam. And that I'm pretty sure is still the, the main headline on Brand Folder's website, even <laughs> three years after mm -hmm. we did it. Um, and I know they've tested some other ones. And it just came from when we talked to the customers, they said they wanted usability as a core function. Um, and with Speckit, our current H1, cutting sales reps ramp time in half, like people, especially in our core ICP, one of their main challenges is getting new sales reps onboarded and hired and trained. And that's what Speckit does really well. So changing from a blank, and it, again, there's no like rule of thumb. So like at, Brand folder, the headline was number one most usable dam or number one dam for enterprise usability, whatever it was. Um, and that worked because there was a very established category. There was people that were unhappy with their current solution. There's a good combination of factors that made that effective. Mm -hmm. If we, when we had that here at Speckit, which was a headline that Speckit had before I joined, it was like the number one digital adoption platform. Um, that wasn't really resonating. And then when we changed it to cut your sales reps ramp time in half, our conversions on the homepage shot up by almost double. That's, that's so cool, man. Without, without changing anything else. And that was just from customer conversation. So like, I think the, the mistake that I would try to, you know, encourage people to avoid is like, you don't have to do everything at once. Like you mm -hmm. can run things incrementally and sometimes things that don't necessarily take time or budget can have the biggest impact. Yeah. It doesn't require necessarily going out and doing a full redesign on the website. It could simply mean, like you said, a simple change to the H1 and you're good to go for quite a while. And I think that many people make the mistake of like, oh, well, obviously it's time now. We just need to build a whole new website. And it's like, you just yeah. wasted all those resources way sooner than you needed to. It took six months to get the whole thing, to rebrand everything all done. When really you could have just gone in and uh, changed a little bit on the front end and been really set off nicely. Yeah. And it's just a good reminder that you can't really test your, like going back to our previous topic, you can't test your way to greatness mm -hmm. in B2B. A lot of what you can shortcut there is just talking to customers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Um, another question I have for you that we're kind of firing off here. Uh, what's a question as a VP of marketing that you wish someone would ask you? <laughs> That's a question I wish someone would ask me. Oh man. Um, are you hiring? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a bunch of roles open on the team. Oh, um, so I wish a product mark, a really good product marketer or a really good ABM or partner marketer would ask me if I'm hiring. Uh, I feel like that's kind of a cop out, but if anyone's listening and you know someone, please let me know. Um, Something I wish someone would ask me. I guess maybe like 
what the what the like biggest skill set mm-hmm. in marketing would be at the moment um, that they could develop. So mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm kind of framing this as like on my team specifically and like people I'm looking to hire, but uh, ultimately what I want marketers to develop a lot more of is curiosity mm-hmm. and the willingness to like dig in and try and really understand what is happening outside of their own sphere of ownership, but like with the business, with other people on the marketing team and just digging in and really understanding like all the dynamics of the market, the competition, because that will have a big impact on everything that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Curiosity is definitely something that, um, you know, I push for, but try to get better at. And it's like, you can always, you, you'll never be too curious about how your buyers are buying. Um, what, like what you said, you were curious about what they were doing or saying on a sales call. And basically you were able to, I forget exactly what you said, what double your conversion rate, just because you were curious. And, uh, I think that's super important when it comes to marketing. So my last thing here, let me, let me turn it back on you. Have you found any questions in your interview process that help you find curious people? Hmm. Not off the top of my head, but you can tell who like really are interested in learning and putting themselves out there. And I think that like, I'm going to bring LinkedIn into this, for example, you can tell who are one always active in learning, who are maybe even trying TikTok, right? As a marketer, for example, I think there's a guy named Todd Clouser, right? He's just like, look, not many B2B people are creating content on TikTok, but I'm going to be curious and test things on there. And I think that really, it doesn't even really require a question. You can just do a little bit of background homework on someone and be like, I can kind of see how curiosity is pushing them and driving them as a marketer. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I would look at it. Yeah. I did have one person ask me in a question in an interview, uh, what was the last thing I taught myself outside uh-huh. of work? Um, which I I've stolen and I occasionally ask people. That's a good one. Then. Did you get, yeah. did you get some good answers from that? Yeah. Occasionally it's, it's yeah. interesting to hear. Like you also get a little bit of a feeling for like, you know, are there hobbies or things mm-hmm. that people are, are trying to pick up, but I think that kind of does go back to the, you know, are people trying to improve and figure stuff out? Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good one. Um, All right. Last thing I want to do here is, and I don't think we did this when we talked last time, but give you the opportunity to be the podcast host to close us out. So if you have any questions you want to shoot my way to to spin this a different direction, uh, it's all you. Yeah. Well, as someone who's still kind of thinking about our homepage and website, who uh, who do you think is doing website well in B2B SaaS? What are some of the ones that, especially, and let me, let me constrain that. Someone who's like still pretty early stage and maybe doesn't already have decent brand awareness or category, mm-hmm. um, category dominance in some way. This wouldn't be B2B SaaS, but this would be, they, they do uh, B2B podcast production. I think Sweetfish Media does a really good job on their homepage because they really simply tell you what they do, right? And we don't, what we do is we don't do messaging at all, but I am passionate about it. And even like you saying you changed your H1 was super interesting to me. Um, 
it's super important to clearly tell what you do, how you're going to make their life better, and then simply how to buy. And I think that many B2B companies overthink that. And I don't really have any examples in like either like seed stage startup. I'd have to dig a little bit. Um, but when it comes to like some of the bigger ones, I know Stripe does a really good job. Uh, Asana, I love their website. And then also another one is uh, toast.com. And what I really look for is one, how fast is the website? Because you want to make it a good experience for your buyers, right? So is it is it taking forever to load? Like there's some big SaaS unicorns that honestly their website takes 10 plus seconds to load and I can't believe it, right? So is it really quick? Um, the second thing is how easy are you making it for your buyer to navigate? Is everything right there? Can they book a demo without any problems? Is it cluttered or is it clean and spacious? Those are things you should look for. And again, those, those websites do a great job at that. And then another thing that I'm passionate about, and again, it's more of a hypothesis. I don't have a lot of data to back it up, but all three of them publish pricing on their website. And I think that more SaaS companies need to be doing that and more companies in general. And it just goes back to, do you really care about giving your buyers the experience and the information they need to qualify or pre-qualify themselves? And again, it's really a hypothesis as to like, would it work better? But like, as a, as a consumer, as, as a buyer, I know like, I want to pre-qualify myself long before I have to talk to someone in sales. So it's something to think yeah. about. Yeah, makes sense. Awesome. You've been a great, you've been a great guest. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me on your podcast, man. This is awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, James. So to close us out, uh, where can we find out more about you guys? Yeah. Check us out. Specit.com. We're hiring a bunch of roles, growing like crazy. I've got some roles open on the marketing team. So if any of them look interesting, feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn. Awesome, James. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate you joining me on the reunion tour. I think uh, 2.0 here was even better than the first one. So thanks again, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Good to see you again.